He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. My exercise is really sitting down and I'll create a deck. What do I want my company to look like? And yeah. that deck will represent everything. So everything from the guest experience, and it might be too much. Like I will just go from the time that a person receives an email, what's that supposed to look like? What does the language look like through the entire journey of their arrival down to the types of linens and towels and the way it's presented in a home and photographing all of that, that sets the expectation for the guest. And, and now mentally, I know exactly what I need to deliver. It's whether or not, how, how do I get there? Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode. everybody welcome back to another great episode of slick talk the hospitality podcast super excited to have brian homawi on from olivo homes um, we are super pumped i got to be on his podcast the guest x podcast with him and matthew from explory now this is a great time to have a one-on-one -on -one session with brian and my man thank you for joining the show today What's happening? I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, I've been listening to all of your podcasts, so being a, a guest on one is uh, is pretty cool. Full the circle. Script, the script has flipped, my friend. So I know it has, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Awesome. Well, you have you and I have got to talk a little bit after um, our episode when I was on your guys' show, uh, and I got to learn a lot more about your, your story and your extensive background in the vacation rental space. But I think it's super unique and super cool to hear kind of like the, I don't know, just the different innovations that you had, um, you know, different experiences from technology to then property management, all this stuff. So I wanted you to, you know, have the opportunity to, to go into that with the, with the audience here, but kind of tell us where did it really start? And then where did, you know, what was the journey like getting to where you guys are today with your, with your property management company today? Yeah, it's a, I appreciate that. I'm not sure that anybody's really heard the full story and I'm not going to bore you guys with the entire story. But really, my foundation started with my dad, my parents. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur growing up. Um, he was everything from a builder. We had manufacturing companies that did clothing. And the last business he had was a, a five-star hotel on an island called Margarita in, in uh, Venezuela before 
Um, Chavez came in and basically created the whole dictatorship. And uh, my dad finally said, we're out of here. Let's, let's pack our bags and go. Yeah. So within a week, we had packed our bags. And that was in 1996, 1997, somewhere around there. And uh, his dream was always to come back to the U.S. and live in Orlando and be close to Disney World. He was a an absolute Disney fanatic. So I always say he dropped me off. He lasted about two years and then decided to head back home and, and do some business over there again. And that's really where my journey began. Uh, I went to high school here. And then in 2001, we bought our first uh, investment property together, my dad and I, and it was a short-term rental. And that was my first experience in the industry. So we ended oh, up uh, buying three units. How old were you? Oh God, I was, uh, well, I would have been about 18, 19, somewhere around there. Uh, 18. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty incredible. AOL with the whole, you know, the dial tone, trying to log in and send emails to people to try to book a house and then running Excel spreadsheets. We really had no clue what the hell we were doing. <laughs> um, the industry was uh, really, really small here. And um, even larger companies were running things through through spreadsheets. So in 2003, we ended up selling those homes and I went to school for uh, international business. And then from there, um, I went and worked for a company. Actually, it was a photography company here in Orlando. They, they developed all of the photo processing for Disney and Universal Studios. And uh, I ended up becoming one of their licensing directors uh, for the company. So I ended up opening a company um, that did uh, licensing. And I owned that for about three years and then decided to uh, pivot into short term rentals. I met my wife uh, back then. And um, her parents had flown over from the UK and they owned a short term rental company for about 10 years. And they said, you know what, we, we just left the industry, sold the company and we need short term rental, good property managers in the area. Why don't you start one up? We'll teach you some of the ropes. So I sold absolutely everything I had, my car, <laughs> um, everything. I had absolutely nothing. I was I was broke broke, broke. Uh, I ended up buying a truck for about 1500 bucks. Uh, my father-in-law gave me all of my tools and he said, here's a brush and go paint your first house. And that's literally how I started short-term rentals in 2008. Uh, obviously with the economic downturn as well. Yeah. Uh, I then went from there uh, in 2011, I had this grand idea to start developing a guest experience application. Um, for the industry, I just found that people were really having a hard time planning their trips. And so I started to innovate a product called Guestbook. And within Guestbook, we basically started to build out APIs into different softwares. We built out an entire trip planning tool, and we were one of the first to start to connect to companies like Viator and Opendoor. And um, so people were able to go inside. We had at the top, I think we were able to serve about 6,000 destinations worth of activities. We had over 100,000 activities worldwide that we could service. Wow. And so it took us quite a few years of development. Um, we got some investment uh, from family and friends. And we operated that all the way up until 2018 when I sold that to Blue Tent, uh, Blue Tent Marketing. Uh, and then previous to that, 2016, I sold my management company because I couldn't handle both both of the companies. And in between, my wife was, we had a flower shop as well. Then she sold that. We had a child. 
she then took over the management company and then we pivoted into uh, we ended up moving to Colorado to be with Blue Tent and um, she ran a real estate business from there. Um, and then I was one of the directors at Blue Tent, um, some business development and also for the guestbook product. And then I ended up leaving there and became the VP of business operations for Properly, um, the cleaning software. And moved, ended up moving back to Orlando. We just saw, you know, growth and opportunity here again. We just keep coming back to this place. And uh, we bought a real estate business and a long-term property management business. And uh, lo and behold, we decided to start a short-term rental company again about four months ago. So that, in a nutshell, is uh, the last 20 years of my life. You, you, uh, you sound like the classic entrepreneur. It's like you get that one first taste when you're probably, I, I would assume it's probably when you're 18 and bought those short-term rentals with your dad. And then now it's just like, it sounds like you just got hooked into not only vacation rentals, but I think that there's a lot of different avenues that this industry opens up technology operations, uh, you name it, IOT connections and devices and all sorts of stuff like experiences that you're talking about. Uh, with yeah. guestbook, like that's all something very different yet tied together. I love it. It's classic. It's like a, it's a, it's a great entrepreneurial. It's an inside of the mind. Like you just kind of see like the spider web of like directions that it goes. It's super fun and fascinating. Uh, it's, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really fascinating. I hate being in my brain because I constantly have big ideas and, and big things to do. And, and really it's just about execution, right. And having the right people around you. And, uh, I think throughout the whole entire journey, that's what I've had. I've had a lot of support, whether it was from family, my wife has been phenomenal, but even just learning from industry people, um, yeah. that's what's, that's, what's given me the ability to be able to do all of these things and then basically come back to market. So Aliva homes is a product of all of that. Uh, and really the goal with that is building a property management company that's geared very, very heavily towards guest experience, mm. building something that people feel comfortable with. It's reliable for, for homeowners and then starting to look at even technology that's in the industry and what's lacking uh, and rebuilding that whole entire network again. And that's what becomes really fascinating for me is what direction can I t start to take this in? 100%. And I think you and I had like, an aha moment together uh, on your guys' podcast because it's very similar for us. Like we're in the same boat. Like how can we take all of this knowledge and experience from you know our past or uh, our, our, our even present and just how can we put together like the best of the best uh, tech experience, uh, mission and vision and drive for for our guests and for the homeowners for for our staff. Um, yeah, it's very like a relatable you have a very relatable story, which I really like because it's like, ah, it's the breath of fresh air, not hearing it just from my, myself or like, you know, you said being stuck in your brain, it's like, oh my gosh, I have all these things and thoughts, but then you hear other people are like, like-minded. You're like, oh, thank God I'm not alone. It's very, <laughs> it's very uh, rare. So I think it's cool. Yeah, it, it is very cool. And your story was, uh, it hit home pretty well. I know you're on the other side of the country, but you guys are doing and trying to build the exact same thing. And you're starting from the ground up. So one of the interesting things for us was we have the ability to do some acquisitions here locally of other management companies. And we quickly realized that when we start restarted the company, that that wasn't really the path that we wanted to take. And, and the pure reason behind that was that I'm looking for a very particular type of inventory. I'm also looking for relationships. Yeah. So 
for me, it's not just about acquisition of units at the moment. Um, it's, it's really about learning about the homes, the industry, operational, building an inventory that I can rely on, building teams around that. Yeah. Um, so really all, all about games, the right owners, and then attracting the right guests into the homes. For sure. And I want to go back to your story a little bit, just because your, your father-in-law gave you uh, some tools and said, go paint your first home. So it sounds like you did start like boots on the ground. Uh, go, go, go. Whether it was maintenance or housekeeping, can you got kind of maybe explain, do you, do you see a big difference now uh, from then when you were doing that stuff to when you, to what you guys are doing now with uh, Aliva Homes? Like, are you seeing a big difference in the operation boots on the ground workflow or what, is it still the same hustle and bustle um, kind of crazy wild, but totally worth it type uh, work? Well, I, I think it was necessary for me to do at the very beginning. And the only reason I say that is I, I ended up learning the business inside and out. I did absolutely everything from cleans to maintenance, to painting, to pool cleaning, to landscaping, all of it. Part of it was I needed to generate some revenue for myself so that I could support myself and my girlfriend and yeah. pay for the old beat up truck that I had back then. But it also taught me everything that I didn't know. I, I am not the handiest of people. And if I say I'm going to, you know, fix a sink. My wife till this day probably laughs at me. Um, <laughs> it's better that somebody that knows how to do plumbing does that type of a job, but I know how to do it. And I also know what to look for to see if the job's been done right. So, and that's been every facet of our business. We are very, very hands-on. And I think if I hadn't done that, we wouldn't have run a successful business um, and also wouldn't have understood when an owner comes in, what their expectation is, or when a guest comes in, what their expectation is. I am probably one of the biggest pains in the ass when it comes to checking a home, inspecting a home. And so, although you know I had grown my company to a fairly large size, I still did most of my inspections. I did random checks till the day we sold the company. And I'm finding myself doing the exact same thing now. So to a certain degree, yes. Now what I've done is I've hired reliable maintenance guys and I know how to qualify my cleaners. And so those are jobs that I don't have to do. But about an hour ago, I was still in my vacation rental. I had guests arriving. I was putting all of the amenity boxes and their welcome gift and inspecting the clean and all of this kind of stuff because I like to know what's going on in my houses. And I think as soon as you uh, don't do that, it's been, and it depends on the size of your company, but you start to lose track of the, the sense of your business. And I, I, I'd love to say that depending on the size that I get to next, that I still have the ability to walk into my homes and see the quality of my cleans and the service that we're providing our guests and make sure that I'm still in touch with myself, my company and the people I'm serving. For sure. And this is a, actually, I want to, I'm really curious to know your thoughts because I've been having this conversation probably the last six days in particular. Um, but it's coming to the difference of hiring an outsourced company that does, that's a cleaning company, but they do your vacation homes versus hiring inside internally at a you know premium hourly rate. They're your employee. Uh, you have the right to be like, Hey, you need to go back and do that versus a cleaning company that you're like, Hey, you messed up. 
you know, then they're going to be like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, you know, so what are you, are you guys doing anything particular? Are you doing a mix of the two? Um, and what are your thoughts on, on that? Because I feel like there's so much more control kind of like how we know direct bookings, you have more control of that reservation rather than an OTA booking. But, um, you know, we all know it's hard to find good staff right now. Like, uh, yeah. And I think again, it, it depends on your size. Uh, and Dirk Johnson, I've had multiple conversations with him. He's, he's fantastic as a resource trying to figure out when to put staff in place. But, you know, for me, I, I'm a lucky guy. I have, uh, the ability to talk to past people that worked with me and I have access, I've, I've been in this, in this area for so long that I still have access to really good people. Most of the people that I've ever had inside of my company have been self or have been subcontractors. Um, and it's, it hasn't been a detriment to my company. They've actually been incredibly loyal to me. And so there's something to be said about supporting small businesses and that mind frame. I, I, you know, when I started my business, uh, the first time, um, I hired, once I had 10 homes, I had hired uh, a small crew and, um, Till this day, they're really, really close family members, but it gave them the ability to also grow their business. I sold my business and they continued to grow. And so if it, I, I say that if it wasn't for us, probably they wouldn't have been able to do that type of thing. She came out of the hotel world. She was a cleaner in that world with her husband and she came out, she trusted us, and I gave her every single one of my cleans. And because of it, she's able to support her family today. I don't know that at scale that works because you don't have the same control. What I did find was that even as subcontractors, I trusted them with everything that I had. So whether they were employed by me or not, uh, I didn't really see the difference other than giving her the ability to scale to the size that she wanted. I wasn't limiting her. And that in a mental capacity for her, I think, was kind of game changer because she knew that she could go and source other sources of revenue without having to be tied up with me. Although she was my one company cause she couldn't do anymore. Yeah. I get that much business. That makes sense. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. I just, you know, we've, we find, uh, I think, I don't know. It's just a, the lack of, maybe it's just like some areas and some markets, you know, the workforce, like, you know, I was a hotel uh, manager in an area that, you know, people grew up in, never left their hometown, didn't have like the strongest work ethic. And not to say that's everybody in that area. Um, but you know, that was the strong majority of the workforce where it's like, eh, I'll show up when I feel like it. I'll do part of my checklist and, you know, give or take yeah. feeling that day. Um, you know, so I think just the, the conversation of, you know, keeping that quality and assuring that, you know, cause that's the biggest thing for us as vacation rental managers is that, you know, you have to maintain a quality clean, you have to maintain a quality of execution. Um, and so I'm, I was always just curious to see how other operators in the industry and in different markets um, are able to, to, you know, manage that quality and that execution. So I think that that's a really good point. And it depends on the subcontractors. Like our our teams are small teams. They're typically husband and wife. They typically act like employees, except they're getting, they're making their own money. They, they have control of themselves. They know I have high expectations. So for me, it's setting the right expectation. If you don't meet that expectation, I'm okay with giving you a chance or two chances, but you know, if we keep having the same recurring issue, um, I'm also okay with using somebody else that is going to want my business. 
And it's, it's very similar. I mean, people have to pay attention to their jobs. It's, it is, you know, I think the job market's going to change in the next few months. Uh, I think there's a lot of government things that are going to happen that are going to make things pivot. Um, people are going to come back and say, I need a job. And you're going to say, okay, well, you didn't want to work for the last six or eight months and you took it easy. Now you want a job, prove it. Right. And that doesn't work. You're going to have a massive pool of people that really do want to work. And so I think we're going to have a shift where we had a lack of almost inventory of people that didn't want to work um, and now need to work. And um, so we're going to be the picky ones. Uh, We can elevate our standards. We can tell them exactly what we want. And if it doesn't work, we can we have, you know, more more choices. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I, I, I recently had a friend who works for a completely different industry there than the RV market, but uh, he said his boss told him that they had, after a few changes, like you said, happened uh, with the government, they had an influx of 121 applicants <laughs> after That's incredible. After uh, 18 months of not having anything come in, uh, looking That's for people. And so uh, I, I think we're going to, yeah, you're 100% right. It just, it, you know, I... I'm, I'm worried, you know, people not working for that long and then coming back into the workforce, Ooh, man, it's going to be a hard, like, it's going to be a hard adjustment period for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of business owners, you know, that's, there's a lot of training that goes into our industry. And, um, when you've got, you know, someone who hasn't been used to the hustle and bustle, especially in vacation rentals, um, man, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. That's all I can say. It is. And that's really where your vetting process comes in and understanding who you're looking for. Um, it is really important to vet the people yeah. that you want inside of your company representing you, because at the end of the day, that's exactly what you're doing is you're hiring people to represent your company. Yeah. And if you're just going to hire because they're the cheapest, it's probably going to end up costing you a small fortune 100%. rather than hiring really, really well from the very beginning and investing time in those people. Uh, with our real estate business, my wife's actually used to be a coach for one of the largest real estate companies in the U.S. And uh, th- that's what they do. They invest a ton of time in, in coaching. And so this is one of those industries where I think continually teaching your staff and, and talking to your staff and motivating your staff and investing in your staff is what's going to avoid you from having a lot of turnover. Um yeah ultimately give you the service that you're looking for. Well, I, I love that you just said the, even the point before this, you know, setting that expectation. I think you and I talked about that um, on your guys' podcast was how do you set that expectation with your guests? You know, how do you set the expectation of, uh, you know, you're going to get a quality product, you're going to have a quality uh, clean, but this is what you cannot do. We do not put up with parties. We do not put up with, you know, mistreatment of staff. If you, um, you know, if something does go wrong, God forbid, um, you know, stuff like that. How do you set that expectation in the sense of, you know, not over communicating, not communicating enough. Like what's a, what's a go-to thing for you when it comes to setting expectations, especially as a business owner, like communicating your vision, your mission, uh, but then also the standards that you want to hold. So I'm an incredibly visual person. I'm a, I'm a very, um, I'm going to call it artistic. It's, it's not the right word, but very creative. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's my exercise is really sitting down and I'll create a deck what do I want my company to look like? And that that will represent everything. So everything from the guest experience, and it might be too much. Like I will just go from 
the time that a person receives an email, what's that supposed to look like? What does the language look like through the entire journey of their arrival down to the types of linens and towels and the way it's presented in a home and photographing all of that? That sets the expectation for the guest. And, and now mentally, I know exactly what I need to deliver. It's whether or not, how, how do I get there? Same thing with the business. When I look at a business and I understand what my goal is. So my goal could be that I want to be a boutique management company and that's perfectly fine. To get to those 10 units, what does my team look like? And start with your nucleus. You are the nucleus. And then what are the different facets of your business that you need to build out? If you want to be a thousand homes, what's the process of getting to those thousand homes and what are the teams you need to build up in order to be able to service the initial deck that you built or the initial idea that you built for your guest. Because at the end of the day, every time you scale more units, you have to produce the exact same expectation for the guest. Therefore, you need the exact same team that can scale with you to be able to achieve that. And um, so when I look at my companies overall, there's, there's, I call them pods. I create pods and uh, I build up pods depending on how big I want to scale those companies. Positive than podcasts? Just kidding. Just mess with Something you. like that. <laughs> uh, you know where uh, I learned that from was outside of the industry. Um, I looked at Spotify. Hmm. Uh, when I was doing uh, product development, when I was designing Guestbook, I was doing some research on product development and uh, being able to put product together. Um, and what I realized was that in order to be able to do the things that we wanted to do within Guestbook, because it was so big, uh, we needed to have specific teams that were dedicated to specific aspects of the software. And the way Spotify does is that they actually have little pods that sit together and it's comprised of an engineer, a, uh, a product person, and then somebody like a salesperson. And that would be a pod of three. Um, mm-hmm. So then they had multiple pods of exactly the same thing. And then they'd all come together and say, this is what we came up with. Um, and it was, it was very, very interesting. It actually molded quite a bit of what I did in the future. Um, thinking that way. Do you think for like vacation rentals, you could do one of a housekeeper, a maintenance person, and a guest service person that are like a pod for a certain area? Yeah, that's exactly it. So the way I'm starting to see it, and although we're small, we know we're going to get to hopefully a volume of units. It's what does each pod look like? So I'm looking at pods that do, you know, a customer service person and a reservations person, uh, a homeowner, a homeowner um, service person, and then a maintenance person, head of maintenance and a head of um, cleaning. That being said, there could be roles so a cleaner could possibly handle 50 to 60 units. So you'd maybe have a hybrid where she crosses over into multiple pods. For sure. That's interesting. That's a really, like, I'm a visual person. So I see it in my head. And I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of, this is a new way to think about it. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, if, I, if, I, if I steal that, I'll make sure to give you credit for it. 100%. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's super good. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode, and I wanted to drop in quickly to let you know that our partners at Jetstream have some of the best-in-class technology that sits at the heart of the guest experience with a focus on generating revenue for your property assets. With their platform, your property gets the best-in-class tech and integrations to remote access, 
guest screening, booking protection, and payment processing. Better yet, their team does all of the hard work of 24-7 guest communication and content creation. So go ahead, click the link in the show notes so you can jump on board today and take advantage of their professional hospitality team. Now, we're back to the episode. Well, you got to ask me the question on your guys' show um, about technology. So I'm kind of curious, you know, with with you, when when you guys were creating your new company, um, you know, what was the first go-to? Obviously, a, a property management software is like a key like thing to pick. But outside of that, for you guys, what were your like, okay, we 100% need X, Y, Z, you name it. Um, what, like, what, what's the, I guess, um, yeah. like thought process and then like, why, why that pain point did you choose to target, um, out of all the other operational pain points? So a couple things, one was data. I, I really needed some good insight into data. So we ended up working with a couple of data companies just to be able to have good insight into this market yeah. because I've been so removed on the data side pretty much. Um, I really needed to understand how the market's operating, what my competitors are doing, and then how do we compare to them when we go to market. So I think one of the key things to understand when you go to market is, and to be real as well, is understanding your actual, what's around you, who are your competitors, how are those, and it's not even property managers, but it's the units that are surrounding you. And then start to look even deeper into that. What are they providing? Um, so that was actually one of my very, very first things. I ended up hiring a revenue management team to help us understand that data as well. And they, they work really close with us on understanding the performance of the units and or not performance of the units because the Orlando market's in pretty, we're in a, in, in a bit of a lull. It's an interesting market. We don't have international travel. We thrive on international travel. And so is that something, if I'm not seeing reservations right now, am I supposed to go into a panic because I'm pricing myself out of market or I'm marketing myself incorrectly? No, it's just the way the market is. So a lot of market data, a lot of insight into the market. That's number one. Number two is automation. Mm -hmm. When I did property management before, um, automation just wasn't there. There wasn't things like the door lock systems that you could remotely press a button, I guess this, you know, checks yeah. at the house and they can't get in. And I'm racing over at two o'clock in the morning, trying to unlock a door. And then the guests are there all pissed off because they've been there for an hour waiting me for, for <laughs> me to get there. So one of the next steps was for me to actually start to automate my homes, um, to things like door locks um, and even email automation and messaging systems. Um, so, you know, there's some fantastic technology all around guests, apps and guest technology and all of this kind of stuff. But at the very core, um, there are very few things that you need to do to meet your customer's expectation when it comes to guest experience. Yeah. One is communication. You just need to communicate really well and deliver that communication on time. Yeah. To do that, you have to implement systems because they're available and it's cheap. Like, yeah, it could cost you five, six dollars per property per month. But if you had a human being sitting there and doing all of that stuff manually, um, that's time that they could be spending doing other stuff, creating content or, you know, there's other operational stuff that they could be doing or enjoying their job a little bit more other than sending door codes out. Yeah. So it was it was a combination of automation of homes um, and then an application to be able to deliver that communication correctly to our guests. 
And I think those are probably the three things that we looked into other than the PMS itself yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think access control, automation, and um, overall experience, you know, like you're talking about were the number ones um, that we did too. It's like we were remote management pretty much. Like we we're, we're not able to go inspect all of our homes uh, in person um, due to them being in specific markets, but having that ability to, you know, see when the code was used at the door and to make sure that the guests were getting the messages on time through the right proper channels and all the other stuff, like super key. Like it's, it was, and without that, we wouldn't be able to, to do the business at, at the end of the day. Like we could, but it would have to be at a super hyper local market and we'd have to find all these other manual ways to, uh, to, to do that process. So uh, right. yeah, it's really cool. I mean, today was a perfect example. I had a guest checking in this afternoon. I noticed last night that my pool, one of my units hadn't turned on because we have a, an application that tells us uh, pools not accessible. And mm. uh, I tried to get it to turn on, nothing. So I ended up sending my pool company out uh, first thing this morning before the guest arrived. And lo and behold, there was an issue with the pool and they're able to repair it before the guest arrival. That would have probably not happened if, I w if my homeowners or we wouldn't have invested in that type of technology because I would have had to arrive at the house, inspect it, realize that the pool's not working and then call them to say something's wrong. And it would have probably been two o'clock in the afternoon before guest check-in, which is too late. Yeah, I caught it now in advance because of software. Well, can I ask you this now? Because I, I think, um, you know, these conversations behind doors are always cool to bring to the forefront. You know, I've been having conversations with friends and they're, you know, telling them about the, the business and how life is going and catching up over drinks and stuff. Um, and being like, well, you know, like at the end of the day, um, being a startup, we're not profitable yet. Like you're, you have to like, understand that there are onboarding costs with new units, there's operation costs, uh, whether you're getting reservations or not, like you still have to pay for this technology on the back end. So for you guys, how did you balance out like what tech, like for, for that pool software or, or uh, technology, you know, what makes you go, this is a, an investment. How do you calculate, I guess, your, yeah, your choice of investment for technology to go into play? Um, obviously automation and PMS stuff, like kind of comes into it. You have to, you have to do that. But um, I just feel like, you know, there's all these different, like, how do you choose between what ones are worth having up front versus having later, you know, that whole, that whole scenario. You can always test. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's core technology that I can't live without. And then there's fun stuff that I'm messing with and spending money on pretty much just, you know, throwing away money to see if it's something that that's going to stick and is viable and makes sense for the business. Um, so my core technology is there's, there's no way without it. And I have the funds to be able to cover that. Sure. Everything else is just, you know, nice to have the pool technology and, and the remote lock systems. Um, we require that as part of our property management. So yeah. we we're very upfront with our homeowners and there's, you know, we have it built into our agreement that they have to have certain technologies at their house. Part of it's funded by them. Part of it's funded by us with our, some of the startup fees as well. Yeah. Um, we, with our startup fees, really what we've done is we reinvest in the house. Mm -hmm. It's not really that we're taking money and we're putting it into a reserve and calling it marketing funds and then yeah. spending it on dinners or whatever. We actually reinvest. The reason we do it is we reinvest all of that money to build some of the stuff. Um, so that's, that's kind of my view on it is then there's different approaches on it, but 
we have funds allocated to be able to do some of the things that we do. Period. Uh, that makes sense. And outside of that, it becomes an expense. Um, and then we have to revisit. If it's profitable and fantastic, if it's not profitable, it's got to go. Yeah, no, I like that. We do the same thing. So hearing that uh, there's a, there's an expert in the industry that actually does that too. It makes me feel a lot better. I'm like, okay. Cause uh, you know, you, you get all the time when, you know, having owner conversations with new potential clients that are going to be onboarding with you. They're like, well, Vicasa doesn't have a startup fee for me and, or evolve. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Like true, but they're also going to be charging like 30 to 40%, um, all this other stuff. Uh, but you know, and it's us. a different business model and they're a different scale and it's a completely different type of experience. 100%. And so, you know, things like Vacasa, I appreciate what they've done. They're, they're a phenomenal company. Um, they've taught the industry a whole lot of things. Vacasa wasn't what it was when I was back a property manager in 2008. They managed yeah. to scale. They had a different business mindset as well and a different goal. I operate a different model. And so that means that my entire experience is different than what Vacasa is probably providing for their guests. Um, and that makes me comfortable with the model that I go to market with. Yeah. If I'm comfortable with who my company is and what I'm going to provide, as long as there's value, and I've got an expectation of fees, as long as I execute on what I say I'm going to do, I have no problem with going out to market with that business model because I, I feel good about it. Yeah. Right. If I go to market saying it's, I'm going to take 40% of your revenue and I'm going to, and then you fail at every single aspect of it, then you need to really rethink what you're doing. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Your owners are going to be pissed off. Your guests are going to give you bad reviews and it just, it's a trickle down effect. Success is probably not likely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good point. Well, another question you guys got to ask me on your show, which I'm uh, curious to learn more. You kind of mentioned it now, you know, you pick a certain model for your company. You, you have a certain way that you want to operate when it comes to quality experience, innovation, technology, all this stuff. So how do you know it's scalable or how do you know to like, how do you know to scale this in a, in a way that, you know, is this a model that can be scaled like Vacasa or does it have its limits? I'm kind of curious to, to hear your thoughts on, you know, scalability. Scalability is an interesting question. I, um, the answer to that question is you probably don't know. Uh, most businesses go through multiple reiterations of their business and business models. And so, you know, if, if you think that you're going in and you're going to go from zero to a thousand units without change, it's most likely not likely you're going to go through several iterations of your business, whether it's operations or what you've put in place, including your business model, it's, it's eventually going to change. And it depends. I mean, if you're self-funding, it probably has a factor on your business model. If you're looking for investment, that has a different factor. And so, it, it, you know, there's so many variables. Um, I think the one thing you have to understand as an entrepreneur is what's your goal? Mm -hmm. Because not for every scaling to some people is scaling to 10 units. And it could be 10 phenomenal units that are renting for $10,000 a night. Mm -hmm. um, or you could be looking at scaling like, you know, Steve Milo is a great, he's a great example. Going and acquiring businesses and growing from a few hundred units to, I mean, he's just done another acquisition. I don't even know. 
north of 2,500 units, I think, yeah. but he knows what he's trying to achieve. And so I can guarantee you that his business model has changed a few times. 100%. Yeah. So you have to be okay with that. True. You have to be okay with change. And I think, um, you know, I hate for all my listeners. I hear me say this all the time that, you know, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee and he's like, you know, it's okay to change your mind. Like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to be like one day I'm all in for share and I'm all in for this. And then the next year, like, you know what, I'm going to try arbitrage. You know, I'm going to change my mind. Um, I'm not going to do that. I personally don't believe in the arbitrage model to, to be a very sustainable model. But at the end of the day, if I do change my mind, I have the ability to do so. And I think it's okay for entrepreneurs, like you said, you know, to, to expect it. Like you're going to have a lot of trial and error. You're going to learn what you like, what you don't like, what headaches are going to be solved or, or recreated if you go a certain way. And uh, you have to be okay with, you know, making that choice of, you know, changing with it. Um, I, I, yeah. I think the most dangerous thing an entrepreneur can do is get stuck in their ways. 100%. If you're stuck in one model and you think that that is the perfect model, and that change is not is just not an option inside of your business. That's that to me is a dangerous uh, perspective. Yeah. Um, it's very very dangerous. Like it's very um, building a business is a lot like building software. Um, it's exactly the same thing. You are building pieces to your business. You're building pieces to a piece of software, and those pieces change. Technology changes. Management changes. I mean, we saw this COVID in the last 18 months, the whole industry changed. And so if your company didn't change over COVID, maybe you're lucky, but maybe you're leaving money on the table as well. Like you're not taking a deeper look into potentially what it could have a grown your company more or your revenue more, or, you know, even, even down to things, little things like how can you improve your guest experience? Just those small changes are significant changes inside of your company and you have to be able to acknowledge them. Yeah. Especially as, yeah, I think COVID, you know, for people listening, they know we've said this multiple times, but it's like COVID is the ultimate example of sink or swim for a lot of people, like the whole industry and let alone the world and every other industry um, among it, um, had to figure out how to sink or swim. Uh, and that was that mindset going in. I know for me, like I quit my day job as a hotel manager, December 27th, 2019. And I told myself December 29th or the 28th, uh, sink or swim, sink or swim, sink or swim, not knowing there was going to be a global pandemic that shut down the whole freaking world. Uh, right. but, um, you know, I think seeing how many people went and granted, there's a lot of stuff out of our control. Um, when platforms like, uh, I'm not actually going to say the name, but platforms that refund guests hundred percent without any, uh, thought going into the management or the owners on their platform, um, or all this other stuff, you know, there's a lot of stuff outside of your control, but it's how you handle that. Um, and, and with the, with the change that comes. So I think, yeah, hundred percent, like you said, the worst thing you could do is get in your own way, uh, with your old, your old mindset and with your old, uh, you know, thinking. And that's a really good point. Uh, well, because I mean, and, and that goes down to your business model, but it's made a lot of people realize as well, where they want to source their revenue from yeah. and how creative can you get? And there are a lot of companies that have done an excellent job from pivoting from OTAs to trying to book more direct. Yeah. And that's become a new thing. And, but we also have access to people a lot more like three or four years ago, you didn't have access to volumes of people through, you know, your Instagrams and Facebooks. And we just don't do that kind of stuff well in our industry. 
Yeah. Um, there are very, very few people that execute that really well. And it's difficult. It's, a, it's very time consuming. But if you execute well, man, can it earn you some, some good revenue. Yeah. Well, you and I were talking about that um, previously. It was LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn and podcasting. Like who would have yeah. thought, you know, a resume platform that was really kind of like, you know, that's pretty much all it was, was like a, a job site, uh, you know, turning into a social media, you know, model that just came in and, and created, you know, business and professional and entrepreneurial influencers. And then now, now we have podcasts where you have unlimited amount of consumable content anywhere and everywhere that you are in the world. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, did you ever think you were going to be doing a podcast for a couple thousand people in our industry and, and spearheading that? No, never, never crazy. Yeah. Like I, when I started the podcast, I literally was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. Like there's no podcasts uh, in the hotel world for young people. So I'm going to make one. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like a year later, I quit my job. So it was, it was wild. Um, but yeah, it was just like the power of, you know, community, but then access, you know, like you're, like you're talking about, I think it's super, super intense. Um, it could be a lot sometimes, but anyways, yeah, enough about that. Uh, I, I, I'm super like, so what's next for, for you? Like you guys are, you, you said you started this company like four months ago, five months ago. Yeah. About three, four months ago, somewhere around there. I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a blur because we were simultaneously running the other companies and, uh, we decided, we were like, do we do it? Do we not do it? Do we do it? Do we not do it? And then one day I was like, all right, let's just, let's, let's do this. Let's explore it and see how it goes. So we're about three, four months into it, somewhere around there. And um, so far, so good. I mean, we're, we're a small company. And again, I'm not looking to grow incredibly fast. I'm trying to understand the ecosystem and, and building the right product to then scale it. Um, so my speed to market will probably be in the next few months. Awesome. And tell me about your guys, uh, podcast. That was so awesome to be on. Uh, obviously I'm going to plug it on the show notes, but, uh, how did that kind of come about with you and Matthew? I'm just kind of curious on what started that. So I have a absolute, I have a fascination for guest experience. Um, everything to do with guests. I, there, there's just something about getting guests engaged in whether it's through technology or just providing awesome guest experience on the ground, or there's something there. I have a, a massive passion for it. And I know Matt does too. And a few years back, um, guest book. So our guest experience platform was talking to Explorer about possibly doing something together. And I got to meet Matt. And over the years, we just, we stayed in touch and we were talking one day, it was about maybe four months ago. And I said to Matt, Hey, what about if we start this guest experience podcast? And he goes, what? And I was like, let's just do it. And, and Matt was like, all right, let me float this idea by marketing. Yeah. And uh, so he went back to his team and I think it took us like two weeks and we were up and running. He has like an unbelievable team behind him. He's a super, super smart guy. And, um, and really the goal was kind of taking that idea of, Let's present what's in the current marketplace. Let's find out what people are doing with guest experience and have some fun with it. Super lighthearted discussions and, and whether it's property managers or technology, and I call them technologists. Yeah. I still don't know if that's the right term. <laughs> uh, and then also, and, and maybe I'm giving this away, but some really awesome people outside of the industry. I'm a huge fan 
of learning what's happening inside of the industry. I mean, massive fan of learning what's outside of the industry and implementing what's outside of the industry to what we're not doing right now. Yeah. And so we've got some really, really cool guests coming on that have nothing to do with short-term rentals at all, uh, even though that's our our bread and butter. But, man, some of these guys are just super cool. Um, so I'm stoked. I'm stoked for some of the, the future episodes. I think we've got somewhere in the region of like 30 to 35 guests already on the list. And awesome. uh, our team's just going bananas trying to edit all of this stuff. So <laughs> kudos to all of the, you know, our team behind us and, and Matt for putting up with some of my stuff and helping <laughs> me bring this to life. But yeah, between him and I, it's been a lot of fun. That's so cool. I, I love outside perspectives. And I don't think enough people in the industry go for outside perspective. It's very... Um, uh, small town feel where it's like, well, I've been here for 20 years and ain't nobody going to tell me otherwise uh, type attitude sometimes, but super cool. So I'm excited to tune in. Uh, I'll keep my eyes out on LinkedIn for all your guys' upcoming episodes. Obviously, not to brag, but I did subscribe after, you know, <laughs> getting to air on your guys' uh, show. So it's, it's really you were a good guest. You, Thank you. You're awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's it's really fun when you get a guest in and it's not scripted like the one today. Yeah. You know, um, I and that was one of those things where I said, if you script a, a podcast, it's not authentic. Mm-hmm. I want just authenticity from our guests. So we have CEOs coming in and they're, you know, their people are like, well, give us an outline of what's going to happen. I'm like, well, if I give you an outline of what's going to happen, it's just kind of going to go sideways. Yeah. What we do is we give them the ability to just make sure that the content is right after we produced it, before we publish it. And I have to say we are at a hundred percent so far. Um, we stay on track. So yeah. it's, uh-huh. it's just cool. It's fun. It's super fun. And I think you get to learn a lot. Like I, in the beginning of Slick Talk, you know, I would do a lot more outline scripted. I would say fully scripted, but very more outline oriented. Uh, and I was just not having fun. I was like, man, this sucks. Like I like this conversation, but it's like, I already know what's happening. I don't want to, I like, I want to know, I want you to catch me off guard type deal. You know, like I want you to, to say something super cool and heartfelt. So like you were saying, you know, I want people to be unfiltered and kind of just have this understanding that they can say what's right at the top of their mind right away, instead of having to be like premeditated thought of guest experiences, how you make people feel, you know, I don't want people to automatically like just quote scripture basically is what I call it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's just, you know, that I want people. Yeah. So hundred percent, I, I think it's. So a, once it becomes scripted, it just becomes another speech and it, it becomes the same topic. You don't go often. You, you don't really learn from people because it's so scripted fun when when things are unauthored um you just get to know people so much better and and you get to pick their brain a little bit more throw them off guard yeah um and that's that's kind of cool i like seeing people just pause yeah and then think about it and give you an answer that's very good i like that that's awesome well uh, i give every guest the opportunity to give a shameless shout out plug in you name it uh everything's going to be placed in the show notes but where's the best place people can find you learn more about you and then of course your podcast so we'll start with the podcast go to guestxpodcast.com all of our details are on there you can submit a form if you guys have any suggestions for people that you want to hear or talk about or topics you want to talk about, 
Um, honestly, we're, we're, we're open to it. We've had quite a few people come to us and say, can you do an episode on such and such a person or such and such a topic? And we'll take those into consideration with the team. And as long as we haven't produced it already, we're happy to do it. Yeah. Um, as far as property management goes, Oliva Homes, um, you can reach me directly, Brian, at Oliva Homes. That's A-L-L-E-V-O homes.com. Um, we're a newer company, so... Uh, look out because there is a lot of development. We're going to be doing some pretty cool announcements here in the next few weeks. Um, so we're we're on the path to growth. And honestly, if there's anybody that needs help or has questions, whether it's operational or related to guest experience, or just wants to pick my brain about technology in the marketplace or wants to meet people, cool people like you, yeah. um, touch base with me. I'm massive on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. It's probably one of my favorite platforms. Uh, Brian Hamawi um, on LinkedIn. Look me up, connect. Let's connect. All right. Well, you heard it first here, Slick Talkers. Go ahead, check out all the show notes. Subscribe, like, follow along because we've got an amazing guest just like Brian on the show. And I couldn't be more thankful. So, Brian, my man, thank you once again for being on Slick Talk. And we will be talking again very, very soon. Appreciate you having me on, Will. Of course. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Smart locks, smart thermostats, automation, and a solution for any hotel and vacation rental company. Our show partners at Operto are the leading solution for operators to enhance their operations by integrating with your property management software and making sure that all your smart devices create a contactless guest experience while streamlining your operations. So don't forget to check them out on their website, send me a message, or just let them know that we'll sent you and you are in good hands. So get ready to enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast and check out operto.com or go to the podcast website and see our partners page. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.